to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And today we're going to talk about uh, a case study, essentially, that I got from a player that I work with. And I think that this is a, it's an interesting, interesting case study. I think it's something that, as tennis players, Josh, we, we run into this situation uh, every now and then. And um, so let me present the case, and then we can talk about how we might approach it. And um, because, like I said, I think everybody goes through something like this. So I got a text the other night uh, from a player, a good player, uh, who has a match coming up, um, you know, soon against someone else who's probably a little bit of a better player, also very, very good. Um, the other player has what's been referred to as a difficult personality. Um, and also has a reputation for bad line calls. And if we think about that, I, Josh, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but we've probably all faced that situation, right? Where maybe other people have told us certain things about another player. Um, and obviously that can get us thinking about different things, you know? So like, um, you know, if that were you, if, you know, if I told you, hey, this guy you're playing coming up, Josh, is, you know, uh, he's kind of a jerk and you're going to have to watch his line calls, you know, how might you respond to that? Like right away, just sort of initially. Um, I'd, I'd approach it in a couple different ways. I'd, I'd uh, try to have some sort of a plan. Um, and uh, I know we can talk about this a little bit more, but have a plan of action for um, if, if those bad line calls did end up happening um, as we imagine that they might, or as, as we've been told that they could happen. Um, I'd also definitely um, think about the, the type of mindset that I wanted to have going into the match. Um, a mindset where I'm not, maybe not going to be, you know, triggered so easily at, at the first questionable call or any ball that's, you know, within a couple feet of the baseline. I'm, I'm saying, Hey, are you sure? Are you sure that ball was, was in, I'm not going to try to go in with a confrontational mindset right off the start. But at the same time, having a plan that, hey, if this, if this is happening, if there are clear issues here, that what is going to be my course of action? Does that involve me possibly getting a, you know, if this is an official match, some sort of a line judge or, um, you know, maybe the first time I, I ask the person, are they sure? And then you go the, the line judge route. But I think to me, I would start to break it down into, you know, having a, a game plan or contingency plan. Um, and then also thinking about the type of mindset that I want to have going into this match so that it doesn't turn out to be a, a disaster. Yeah. I think it's also good to, first of all, recognize that um, you're going to feel a little bit anxious at, right away when that somebody presents that information to you. Yep. Going to be a little bit worried about that because um, most of us, that's not why we play tennis. <laughs> Do you have, you know, we probably, you know, have more... Th- feelings of it should be fun it's typically not as much fun when you're playing people who are you know supposedly unpleasant and, and we've all had those matches and they often aren't fun although it's sometimes how we handle that but so i think it's also natural to recognize that hey this player could be feeling this way initially right sure. and as you said um we want to work through some of that um because i think we could also you know at, at the same time as we want to come up with that new mindset and that contingency plan, we could play it out first on, all right, you're feeling this way now. How's that going to help you play better? You know, what emotions are you going to bring to the court? What are you going to be focused on there? And, and, and what is that going to probably lead to in terms of performance? Yep. You know, so if we kind of like game plan that a little bit here, so let's say I, I like to, um, you know, based on your use of the word mindset, I, I like to use this thing that I call a mindset plan. It's actually based on um, a distraction control plan by Terry Orlick, who wrote In Pursuit of Excellence. So I know that was one of the books we recommended back in December. Um, so if people get that book, you'll see the distraction control plan. And I kind of broke it down into, into some more granular detail. So for a mindset plan, Typically, what we'll look at is, all right, how do you typically handle this situation? And look at it in four categories. So what's your general mindset or attitude going into the situation? What are the emotions that you generally have? What are you generally focused on here? And then how do you generally play? Yep. And it's a good way of exposing 
maybe some of the faulty logic that we might be thinking or, you know, how perhaps our, our mind and our emotions are betraying us a little bit. Um, and so if we were to do that here, you know, and, and if that's all the information you had, Josh, if somebody presented that with you, and now, of course, let's pretend you don't have all that sports psych background. Um, and somebody came to you with, with all of that, you know, what might be your attitude going into this match? Um, I, I could see it being, uh, you know, cer- certainly more of that confrontational, that, that hostile sort of mindset where, oh, if this, if this person, if this guy, you know, cheats me, like I'm going to start cheating him back mm-hmm. or I'm going to, I'm I'm not going to take any of that. You know, I'm, I'm going to, you know, give, give him a piece of my mind. I'm going to get the, <laughs> the line judge right away or, or whatever it is. But, um, you know, what, what often I see is, maybe there's a questionable call, maybe there's an incorrect call and the other, the player on the other side of the court just collapses mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And they're not able to keep it together. Maybe that might look like, you know, racket smashing or, you know, yelling or, um, or just their, their, their game deteriorating. Maybe, you know, that, that leads to a lack of consistency and errors. Um, but I, what, what often happens, what we, we don't want to do is let that, let the behavior of the other person, disrupt us to the point where we've completely lost control and whether that means our behavior, whether that means our game, whether that means that we've totally lost sight of our, our game plan in terms of, Hey, this, you know, we don't want to just approach this match based on what do we want to do against this person's personality, this difficult personality, but they're, they're a strong player, as you said, the player on the other side of the, of the court, and which means they have certain weapons in their game. They have, certain shots and uh, certain patterns that are effective and that we need to come up with a game plan um, to combat. So, you know, not losing sight of our strategy and the way that we want to be playing amidst the the hecticness and craziness of, of playing, you know, maybe a, a more difficult um, person in terms of their personality or in terms of, of their line calls, I think is, is definitely important. Yeah. And I think if we go off of like your initial attitude there, maybe confrontational, right? That might be how you're feeling before the match. You've got your guard up, your defenses are up, right? Other players might feel as well like, oh, I don't really want to play that type of person, you know? Um, So there could be some sort of dread there as well, like sort of dreading the experience, right? So the attitude, I think, tends to drive certain emotions that, you know, and as you were saying, they're probably not the productive ones. It's, uh, uh, you know, they're really taking into account their, their emotions based on things that we can't control. As you said, right. we can't control what the other player's doing. I think we also can't necessarily, nor should we, uh, understand the motivation of why they're, they're maybe having bad, bad line calls. It could be, um, could be pressure at home. That, that's certainly something that happens with junior players. It could just be they have this fear of losing, or it could be even more deliberate that, oh, uh, this is how I get in my opponent's heads. We yeah. actually don't know, and it's probably not super relevant to us because we can't really control that. Um, and so, yeah, that, that initial attitude can drive some emotions, which then gets us to focus on things that are out of our control. And so the typical performance in that case would probably be less than optimal. You know, it, it we could get distracted. We could, as you said, maybe lose our own emotional control. We could lose a little bit of our fight. Uh, or we could even corrupt our own core values by starting to cheat ourselves. And, and I know that there are a segment of people who say that that's a valid response. Now, I, I'm not really on that side of the ledger. Um, because I think once you do that, you too are a cheater. Yep. And you're doing it deliberately. You know, the other person, maybe they just have bad vision or haven't given them enough of the benefit of the doubt. But you truly, if you're choosing that, that course, you're a cheater because you're, you're deliberately doing that. And just because somebody else did it first, that is not a legit excuse to, to do it. Right. So I think that if we don't deal with the initial attitude and emotions um, in a productive way, we can go down this path of having a poor performance 
um, perhaps corrupting our own core values as a player, um, and certainly not having an enjoyable match, right? Um, so let's maybe turn it around a little bit, Josh. And I think we could use a little bit of, um, you know, uh, one of the tips from the seven habits of highly effective people here, starting with the end in mind. How, if you were to write out, let's say the person gives you a bad line call. Yep. If you could come up with your ideal response or performance post that point, what might be some elements of that? It's a good question. Um, I would, I would, I, I would approach it in a couple different ways. I would approach it by um, thinking about how we actually want to handle that situation itself, mm-hmm. um, and then when how we want to handle um, what what follows that. Um, so the, the the rest of the rest of the match really. Right. Um, so for for that situation, I think an ideal response is, um, you know, if it's the first time that it happens, um, you know, maybe asking, Hey, are, are you sure? Um, or, you know, or maybe it's getting, getting the line judge, but I think responding to it in a, in a calm and measured way rather than, than losing control, um, where, you know, we, we, we talked about before what we don't want to do. So I think an ideal way you're, um, you're able to have the, the presence of mind to, to, to calmly either ask, are you sure, or to get, get some sort of authority um, involved, whether that be you see in, in college matches at times, it's the, the coaches or players from opposite teams, or maybe at a USTA tournament, it's, um, it's a, the tournament director or somebody who can assist with that line judging process, um, the, the calling of, of shots. Um, so I, I think that that's really that that first step, and then the, the the second step is how okay, this has happened. How are we going to um, how are we going to respond now to the rest of the match? Are we going to have first and foremost on our on our minds that okay this this person that I'm cheat this person that I'm playing is such a cheater I can't stand this person, or are we going to be able to put that behind us and focus on these things within our control the rest of the match? We've talked about. In other episodes, you know, what are these some of these things within our control? Our our mindset, our strategy, our physical intensity, our footwork. Um, so, how can we, you know, shift that focus onto these things that are within our control um, for for the remainder of the match? You know, keeping in mind that if it does happen again, we'll we'll have to respond accordingly. Um, I also think it's important to be able to reset. Um, so yes, this, this situation has happened. Maybe we feel cheated out of a point. Maybe it's a big point, a, a deuce point, no ad situation, or it's in a tie break or, you know, whatever the, whatever the situation is, but regardless it's in the past, we need to be able, if we're going to play um, in an effective way, or if we're going to perform at a high level, we need to be able to, to hit that reset button. Um, I know you, Brian, from your book, you, you talk about a, a good strategy of resetting in terms of um, u- using the shock absorber, which is, um, an approach that I, I personally really like, um, but we, we need to be able to reset and move past it. We, we've talked in, you know, in previous episodes about um, you know, mindfulness and staying in the present moment. And if we're fixated on something that happened last game or the last set, uh, maybe it's a bad line call um, or something else, then we're not in the present moment doing everything that we can do this point to give ourselves the best chance to win. Um, so being able to reset, get back into that present moment and, you know, approach each point with a positive mindset, not expecting that they're going to cheat us in this point. And also I would, I would add not, ex- not expecting that every close call that, that they make is incorrect because maybe they do have this reputation. Maybe it does happen sometimes. Maybe they are even intentionally cheating but there also may be calls that are close that where they do make the correct call, where the ball actually is a little bit out and we don't always have the best vantage point from 78 feet away on the opposite baseline. Um, So I think recognizing that also recognizing that there are moments where um, people might make a incorrect call, not on purpose. Um, So, you know, not 
necessarily villainizing the other person. Um, if, you know, if it's the first time, if, you know, it is always possible that they made an, an incorrect call by accident. So I know there's a lot there, but uh, yeah, well, that's good stuff though. I mean, I think the other thing to keep in mind, I probably should have brought this up earlier is just because somebody told us that this person is that way doesn't necessarily mean that they are. Yep. Absolutely. Um, there could be a dynamic between that other person and this player. And so we do have to sometimes consider the source of the information. Um, maybe not always being a hundred percent accurate. So we have to keep, keep that in mind. I think another sort of ideal outcome I would like Josh is to be able to say, and I, I will often do this with players that I work with. It's almost like, all right, it's Sunday night and you're going to call me on the phone and you're going to tell me how you handled this situation. What do you want to say? And I think in one of these things, I would probably want to say to my coach is that, well, when it happened, I didn't let it affect me. I continued to play at a high level. I continued to stay focused on the things I could control. I managed my emotions really well. Um, and I wasn't distracted by any of that. So I think I handled it really well. Um, and I think that that's a good way to kind of like now work backwards or reverse engineer the little things like, all right, what should our specific attitude be when it happens? What should, what should be the, the emotions that we want to try to use in that moment? And then what can we focus on? What are the actions that we can take? Sort of using that thoughts, emotions, actions cycle yep. there. Um, because I feel like when we don't have an ideal result in mind, we tend to approach the situation sort of like we're making it up on the fly. Like you mentioned earlier, having a plan. Um, I think people don't, if you don't really know what you want out of the situation, then it's hard to have a plan. And, you know, a lot of people, they go into some of these matches thinking like, oh, I can't believe he or she cheated. Well, that's kind of on you for not being prepared for that. I know it's cynical. Um, and we shouldn't necessarily approach it that way, but it happens. There are going to be bad line calls, whether they're intentional or not, they're going to happen. And we have to be prepared for how we might be able to respond to that so that we can continue to play well. Um, and so let's say now that we've got this ideal result in mind, um, is there a, let's say, and now let's say you're playing me, Josh, and I, and I, and I make a bad call. Is there a little like phrase or mantra that you can use as like a trigger phrase in your head to help you get through that? Um, I think something like move on or next point or don't let it get to you or some, something like that where you're making it clear to yourself that, you know, let's put this behind us, you yeah, know, that, yeah. that we're not going to stay focused for the rest of this match on that call that was made. Um, where, okay, we need to be able to move on. We need to be able to focus on our game here and not let our thoughts be hijacked by this call that was made. So I think something like move on, next point, you know, um, you know, whatever even. <laughs> right. Some, something like that. Some Something where, okay, let's push this to the side. Let's put this behind us and let's move on and play the, the, the brand of, of tennis that, that we want to play not being so distracted by what just happened. Right. And I think that sort of attitude or mantra more or less brings a, maybe a a calmer response to the whole thing. You're not not getting defensive. You're not getting emotional about it. Right. And you're, then I think you're much more easily able to, to focus on the things that are, that are in your control, like resetting. Um, And it, you mentioned this earlier, it, depending on the situation, we may have some recourse. So if you're in a tournament, yeah, maybe you can get a, a line judge. But there are going to be some situations where you don't. There are some yeah. leagues in which it's just, you know, you the two of you out there and there's really no recourse. So you have to kind of know the situation, I think, that you're going into um, each time. The other, yeah, absolutely. No, I, th- I think that's a good point that, you know, in, in certain situations, that's just not available. Um, 
But the, the other thing I would add, and, you know, everybody's different, that there, there are other approaches. Um, so, you know, the, the approach that I was talking about is more of, you know, how can we move on? How can we stay calm? Um, for other players, it might be an approach of utilizing humor or yeah. sort of shif- shifting the perspective like, oh, this, this guy or this girl, this, this player that I'm playing against, they, they need to cheat. They, they think That's that right. they need to cheat to beat me right now. Um, so almost, you know, being able to spin it in your mind a little bit like, oh, you know, there they go again. Okay. You know what? I'm, I, despite all these bad calls, I'm still going to win. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to really show them. Um, so doing something like that. I mean, you even see players at, at all levels um, utilizing some, some sort of animosity um, be, between the players um, as a driving factor, as some sort of motivation at times. Again, this is not something, you know, that, I think works for, for all people. I think oftentimes those emotions really disrupt us and bring us away from, from our best mindset and our best tennis. Um, but you see somebody like a John McEnroe or a Nick Kyrgios where they'll maybe use that um, animosity between players as a, as a motivation. And it, it actually ends up driving them and actually makes them more focused on playing their type of tennis and, and ultimately on winning um, but I, I would say that for most people, that's, that's not the best approach that for, for most players, the vast majority sticking to that approach of, okay, let's, you know, this happened, let's move on, or maybe even use, utilizing some humor, um, to, to sort of take the, take the edge off a little bit in terms of, okay, you know, the, there they go again. Like, you know, we're, we're still going to win despite all this craziness. Like we're not going to let it get to us. Like, here we go. I think you touched on something that's Super important in maybe every part of sports psychology, which is sort of the power of the story that you tell yourself. Yep. Um, yeah, you gave one version there. Uh, you gave a couple of versions of stories people could tell themselves, right? And it's about finding a story that works for you. Um, you know, uh, a story in this situation that I've also worked with on some players is um, similar to what you were saying, but, you know, understanding what's going on on the other side of the court. Um, and then basically telling themselves that, that, you know what, I'm mentally unbreakable. Your bad line calls cannot get to me. I am not going to fall for that today. I'm just too strong. And yeah. it's, um, yeah, it's really powerful how we can use stories or narratives that help us get through these situations. Um, and whether they're rational or irrational, it really doesn't matter. No one's going to judge you on that. If it works. So if I want to say, hey, I'm mentally unbreakable today, um, fine. Right? Who, who cares if that's the story I'm going to, t- um, I'm going to say? Um, or, or some other type of thing. Yeah, like maybe this adversarial relationship drives my motivation to beat you. Uh, I can't, as an outside observer, say, hey, well, that's the wrong thing to do, you know, so whatever. It doesn't matter. If it actually gets you to play well and perform, then you have figured out the right story to tell yourself. And I think that is a big part of this response is coming up with that right narrative so that you get the performance that you want. And um, I think it really takes some you know, work at getting that, to getting to a story that is strong enough to overcome something like this because this is not easy to overcome. Um, especially if you haven't encountered it that often. Um, you know, players who've gone through the junior ranks have probably seen enough of this that they more or less know, or even got in college. Mm-hmm. Um, college, fortunately, depending on the conference you play in, you know, if you're in a Power Five conference, there's always an umpire there. You know, below that, there's usually a roving umpire, and so you'll have somebody that can can help you out. So. You'll be used to, to some of that. But other players who haven't gone through some of those things, um, you know, this level of confrontation can be somewhat new and, and, and difficult to deal with. Um, and, and so we've got to make sure that even more so that we have the right story in our head so that we can, we can get through it. And I think ultimately it's getting us ourselves down to what should we focus on right now that we can take control of that's going to help us continue to stay on the mission of trying to win the match. Because really how we, there are a million ways we could respond to this. Many of them 
will be not helpful in, in, in achieving our mission, right? So we've got to keep our, our eyes on what the, the mission is when we get onto the court, which is to, to, to play our best in order to give ourselves a chance to win. Absolutely. No, I, I really like that about, um, you know, what, what is this, this story that we're telling ourselves and then, you know, how do, how do we want to um, ultimately approach, approach this, this sort of situation? Um, I would, I would also bring it back to, to mindset and, um, you know, what do we want to have, do we, are we viewing this as a threat to us mm-hmm. um, where this match is going to be taken away from me because, because of this cheating or because of these line calls or, okay, is this a challenge to myself? How, you know, d- despite this really difficult, challenging circumstance, can I, can I handle it in the best possible way? Can I challenge myself? Um, or, or even if it's a team setting, maybe there's a team with that, that sort of reputation. Can we challenge ourselves as a team or um, to, to handle this, to, um, to handle this in, in the way that, would make us proud. I, I like what you what you said before about um, you know if, if you're talking with a player before a match. Okay, you know when we talk, you know in, in a couple of days, and you're going to tell me how you handled that situation. How do you want that conversation to go? What do you want to be able to report back to me? That okay, regardless. Okay, I won the match. I lost the match. That's that's not what's important here. But how did you respond? And that ultimately is within our control. We talk a lot about you know separating these things that are out of our control from these things that, that we, we can impact and can control. And uh, that our responses are definitely in that category of what can be controlled. Even if it's, you know, even if it's a, a player that's um, very difficult, I can give an example, actually an anecdote of when I personally didn't handle a, a similar situation. Well, um, this wasn't actually an example of cheating it was a, I would say a different, um, difficult personality type um, when I was a junior tennis player. So I was playing a player who every single time that they would win the win a point, any sort of point, might be a double fault by me. It might be an unforced error. It might be their nice shot. Every single time they would shout really, really loudly, come on, every single point. And it happened a couple times and I let it get under my skin, unfortunately. And, you know, I certainly did not respond in the best possible way. And what I chose to do is to copy this type of behavior. And I started doing it myself. And this was at a USTA tournament where there's courts right next to us and on either side. And as you might imagine, this, this greatly annoyed the entire <laughs> facility. Um, so that, that's a great example of how not to handle this situation where I, you know, went down to, to their level and, uh, you know, I, I let this player's behavior antics really get to me. And, you know, there was no way I was thinking about any sort of tactics or game plan or um, anything like that. I was just so fixated on, okay, I am going to shout louder than he shouted in that previous point. Um, so what was so the... What, what, was, what was the effect on your personal performance? Like, you know, how did you play after you made that decision? I, I, I think if, if I recall, I think I played okay that day, but I was, yeah. I was pretty embarrassed um, just on, on based on my behavior. Um, I think that was more of a, the lasting memory from that match, just yeah. sort of being embarrassed that I went down to that level. Um, and I think it's the same way with, with, with cheating or with line calls where, um, even if, you know, if, if they're going to act that way, then so be it, but we're not going to let ourselves get down to that level. We're not going to let ourselves, um, cheat and, and act in that kind of way that we're not going to be proud of looking back. Um, and we're not going to let that type of behavior get to us and disrupt us to the point where our game just totally falls apart because we're going to have a game plan. Um, for how we're going to respond in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I have, uh, I have a s- story as well when I didn't handle it. It was a uh, USTA league match back in the nineties. And it was, um, it was the final sectional. So the team that won that match would go to nationals. So there was a lot at stake. I was playing singles. It's four all in the third set. And I'm, 
down 15-30 on my serve and I hit a shot, a cross-court forehand, I think it's inside the line. The opponent calls it out. Mm -hmm. And he had a reputation for making such calls. So it's now 15-40 and I'm not handling the situation well because we're getting to the end of the match. There's a lot at stake on the outside of this. There's a lot of pressure going on there. Um, and I, you know, I didn't, didn't handle it well, but also poor timing. Who shows up at the side of the court? The roving umpire right at that moment <laughs> who decides to stay there the rest. Cause I probably would have a hundred percent pulled that point back at that point mm -hmm. because it just seems so blatant it, is what happened. So, but now this guy is there. I don't really have an opportunity to pull that point back. I end up losing my serve. The opponent holds. The other team ends up going to, to, to nationals. Um, and the call stuck in my head, you know, the last game and a half. It probably stuck in my head for the next six months as an excuse as to why I lost that match. Um, and, you know, the thing is I've got to own it. You know, it's a purely an excuse. You know, maybe I shouldn't have been in that situation. Maybe I shouldn't have been at four all, right? There are a lot of other things that could have gone. Um, but on the flip side there, I, I think there was a time and I, I, I think I wrote this in, in my book about a time where I was playing in a similar situation and kind of like what we were discussing in our previous episode with the character traits of being mentally tough. I decided to lead with respect for my opponent as my strategy. So even though I had been told. And literally, I was—I didn't know this guy at all. I'd been told maybe 15 minutes before the match that this guy was like a nut job and all these other things, right? So I didn't have very long to really formulate how I was going to approach this. So when I get out there, I was just like, all right, I'm just going to just treat this guy with the ultimate respect, be super polite to him, and um, and, and just keep it, think, you know, not go down a, a, an adversarial perspective in the match and the match went great there were no issues zero issues um he even as the match went along seemed to become nicer you know which he was not known for the kind of guy to say nice shot or whatever but by the end of the match he was you know saying such things and i made sure every time he did something well that i complimented him on that now, you know, is that going to work every time? No. But it's, I think it's a better way to go into that match than kind of having our guard up and thinking um, I'm going to you know, be confrontational or adversarial when things happen. Um, it allowed me to stick to a little bit more of who I am as a person. I'm not, I don't necessarily do great in the adversarial world. I can, but I can also get... I've done this. I get fixated on like trying to hit the guy. And, you know, that's not productive. <laughs> um, and so this was a better way. It kind of kept me focused on what I needed to do. So is there a time, Josh, where you, you can remember really handling the situation well? And like, what was the secret to that? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think there's, there's been a couple cases where, um, and, you know, looking back at college tennis and in, uh, playing, playing tournaments as well that, you know, I've had, I, I would say more from an, an emotional point of view, uh, had challenging situations where, you know, maybe it's a, a big point, um, that, that didn't go my way that, you know, I, I, like you said, thought about, okay, maybe I could, you know, get this person back, but then thought, Hey, what is that going to say about me? Is that going to give me the same exact reputation of my opponent? Um, or if you're playing in a team setting, like high school tennis, college tennis, USTA league, um, is that going to give my team this, this sort of reputation? So I've, I would say I'm, I'm proud to, to look back and at these moments where um, maybe I've been tempted to, go down to that level and have chosen otherwise for the reason of not wanting to act like that and also not wanting to, to have that, that sort of reputation attached to me. Um, so, so yeah, I, I would say, you know, realizing that your, your reputation and, you know, what, and your behavior, frankly, are more important than the results of any one particular match. 
um, are, is, is a good way to prevent yourself from acting in a kind of way that, that you will ultimately regret. Yeah. So let's say, let's go back to our original case here. And let's say you were working with this, this player and, and let's say that the match is, you know, in, in, in a few days, what might be your, you know, process to go through this with that player so that, you know, he or she has a real plan? Yep. Um, yeah, I, I would, I would start in a couple different ways. I would, uh, d- definitely talk about, you know, how, regardless of how they act, how do we want to be acting? How, how do we want to be, um, you know, like, like you said, how do we, um, how do you want to report this back to me? Or, or how do you want to tell me that, that this went? Um, regardless of the score, how, how, how was your response? So thinking, really focusing on that response of the moment and, um, you know, how we want to go about playing this match, not losing sight of, um, you know, all, all these other important factors in a tennis match. So thinking about, you know, that, that response, both, both in terms of the moment and in terms of, you know, longer term and also in terms of, okay, how do we want to um, play in terms of, you know, if we're, having a contingency plan that if this happens, you know, let's say towards the end of the set, okay, can we work on some resetting skills for starting a new set or um, for a changeover? So having some plans in place and having um, certain routines and certain tools that, that can be utilized during a changeover, let's say in between points. So working on these in between point routines, thinking about, um, you know, how do we maximize our time um, when we're not playing, which is uh, something that we've talked about before, um, but also having these skills to be able to reset and you know main, maintain our emotions, so that if it does happen, that we have you know w- we have a game plan, we have a way to move on to that next point where that previous point is not still um, first first and foremost on our mind. So having you know the tools to reset, um, thinking broadly about you know our reputation and what we want to be known for, how we want to go about our business. Um, and then lastly, having some specific plans for, okay, if this does happen, which it, which it could, how do we actually want to respond? Maybe we ask once, um, you know, are they, are they sure um, for, you know, a blatant call, not just the first somewhat close call of a match because over the course of a tennis match, there will be close calls. I mean, any level any age, any, anything, there's always going to be, as long as you're hitting the ball somewhat near the lines, there will be close calls in a tennis match. So, um, you know, pointing out that, Hey, we don't want to just lose it after the first somewhat close call, but if there is a call where you feel like, as, as you said, blatantly inside the line or you're, you saw it hit the line or something like that. Okay. How do we want to respond that first time it happens? And then maybe how do we re- want to respond after that for any additional times? Um, so I know, I know there's a lot there, but having a game plan for that specific, um, situation, and then also thinking more broadly about, um, what our mindset is going to be leading up to the match and during the match, um, and having those tools to reset emotionally and move on in the best possible mindset so that we can stay in that moment, not constantly thinking back and being upset about what, what has happened in the past and, you know, feeling cheated or injustice has taken place because none of that is going to help us, you know, really perform well and play our brand of tennis in an effective way. Yeah. I think that's all, that's all good stuff. And I think maybe we could take it down maybe one step into some more specific stuff, like the in-between point routine. Maybe this is the time to use your yellow light routine or develop a yellow light routine, you know, where it's, you're taking more time there, or we suggest, all right, if this happens, then I want you to, pick up your towel and walk it to the other side of the court so that you have a little extra time to breathe and reset, you know, just maybe give it some specific things. And I think you were mentioning changeovers. Um, perhaps that day we, they, you know, the reminder sheet that we give them or index card has something on it about this situation that reminds them of how they want to be or the, their story that they want to be telling themselves. I think, um, yeah, so the more that we can be really specific on that, um, 
you know, and then getting them to practice some of that, you know, especially yellow light routines, um, it's, it's very helpful for players to, to get used to that. Um, I sometimes have a, maybe it's an internal debate or debate sometimes with players about the, are you sure? Because I'm not sure how many times people have actually said, ah, you know what? No, I'm not really sure. It's your point. (laughs) Um, and so I, sometimes I question the wisdom of that question in particular, because I, I don't know how effective it is. I don't necessarily know that there's another way to do it. Yeah. I mean, it could be like, all right, hey, Josh, uh, I saw that ball inside the line. You know, maybe starting it off that way. I don't know. I, I just feel like sometimes, are you sure, the only thing it, it ends up doing is getting us a little bit more upset. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've seen I've seen matches where that more more within junior players where any close call turns into "Are you sure?" Yes, and then two points later it happens again and again and again. Um, so no, I agree. I, I I again I don't think it, I've ever seen it a call overturned in that manner. Um, actually, I'm not sure. You know, you're right. It was it was in, um, but I what I do think it's effective with is it you know, it, it stops that initial confrontation from taking place where if it's the first time in a match that's happened and we've played a set and a half at this point and there's a questionable call, um, we're not, you know, that, that, that situation doesn't turn into, um, you know, a, a huge head to head confrontation be- between these two players because we can just sort of confirm it in that, in that moment. Um, so I think, I think it can be effective. Um, and I think it's also sort of, at least in the situations where there is the possibility of a line judge, um, maybe that's college tennis or, or whatever that may be. Um, it's, you, you almost have that as in the back of your, in in your back pocket that, Hey, I, there was already this one call that was questioned. I asked, are they sure? And then, you know, now there's this second call. And so it's almost that, that first step, but I, I agree that it's not, not, not necessarily doesn't necessarily achieve all that much um, other than preventing, uh, you know, a, a big fight be- between the two players in that moment. Um, and maybe just, just delays it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I, yeah, I guess you're right. What it does, it, it does put the other player on notification that, Hey, yep. I'm seeing this. Sure. That may or may not be effective against the other player. I think it also matters how you say it. Because you could say it in a confrontational way. Or you That's could say true. it in a very respectful way. You know, you could say, are you sure about that? You know, I, I thought I saw it, you know, land inside the line. Mm-hmm. That might open up a little bit more dialogue than like, oh, are you sure? Yeah, or like you said in the some of those junior matches, it's almost like just a normal response like are you sure and it's like there's no emotion behind it whatsoever it's just they're trying they're fishing in a way so it it does matter how i think how you say these things and what your intent is um and so i would i would recommend when you say it you try to say it as respectfully as possible to and and maybe even follow it up with a statement of what you saw sure um, because maybe that opens up a dialogue as opposed to, you know, just being, yeah, I'm sure. Maybe, uh, maybe they say, well, I thought it, I thought it was just over the line or, uh, you know, who knows? You never know. But opening up a dialogue and getting them to go beyond, yes, I'm sure, um, might change something. And at least you're not building up that, that animosity. So I think it's worth examining how we say, are you sure? And, and, and approach that. Yeah, I, 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 I definitely agree. I think it can be, uh, I've definitely seen it, seen players say it in, in very different ways where, you know, yeah. if it's between two players that have that mutual respect, it often is much more of a, you know, calm control. Ooh, that was close. Like, are you, are you sure about that? I think I saw it in, um, compared to no way, like that ball was in, are you sure? Um, so just, you know, contrasting those two responses um, makes it makes a huge difference in how effective that appeal is going to be ultimately. 
and, uh, and, and, and the rest of the match, you know, it, it can, if, if one player is, is saying, are you sure too often or just questioning too many of the other players calls that can also sort of trigger the other player. I, I have seen that as well. So um, I, I think that's, that's an important point. So overall though, this is not an easy situation. It's one that um, we wish we didn't have to deal with, but you do. It is part of it. I think you had mentioned this to me offline, but um, there is an opportunity here to, in, in a way, embrace the challenge, to understand that, like, from a career perspective, this is probably not the last time you're going to have to deal with this, and maybe it's an opportunity to get better at it. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to become a, a stronger player. What do you think of that? I know you, you kind of brought that up, Josh. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's an important point to to get across the players that, um, you know, if, if we can view this as a challenge rather than a threat, then um, this is a challenge to ourselves against a, you know, really tricky, maybe annoying opponent today. Um, but this is a great opportunity for us to utilize these mental skills. Um, are we going to be able to control our emotions during this time? Are we going to be able to get back and utilize our routines during this tricky uh, match? Um, the, you know, and, keeping in mind that if we can achieve these things, if we can, you know, keep our head when, you know, when, when everything around us is, is chaotic, when, when there's been three questionable calls over the last two games, um, then ultimately that, that will make us stronger because then when we're in a less chaotic match, a, you know, a match where we don't feel like we're, we're cheated, then we're more likely also to be able to, pull from that, that toolkit of skills that we've developed. So if you can remember to, um, to utilize your mental skills in the most challenging of moments, you're more likely also to be able to bring them out in, in all sorts of matches. And I, th- I think, you know, being able to overcome these difficult matches will ultimately make us stronger. I think a, a great quote um, by, by Ken Revisa is, you know, adversity is, is the fertilizer to growth. Um, and you know, any sort of adversity that you face on the tennis court, um, such as facing somebody that that you're convinced is, is cheating you, um, but being able to overcome that can lead to, can, can, can certainly lead to growth. We talked, I last, in in our last episode, we, we talked about mental toughness and, um, mentally tough tennis players. And one of my three pillars or one of my three, um, attributes of a, a mentally tough tennis player is, is the is the resiliency is being able to overcome adversity and obstacles and um, a great example of this is is playing against this sort of player. So if we can remind ourselves of that and have that sort of mindset that this is this is going to be a great challenge today to play against such and such player, but this is an opportunity for us to overcome some adversity and to overcome this really challenging opponent and ultimately it will make us better. Yeah, and even if we kind of mess it up, if we reflect on it and learn from it, then we'll be better off for whatever our next match brings, whether it's you know somebody like this or not. Um, and I think that that's where if we go back to a little bit to Jorge Capistani looking at competition as you know quizzes yep. along the way, this is a good place to test where we are in handling that type of adversity, and then we reflect on it, kind of go through and see how we did. And then we come up with a plan, okay, what do we need to adjust for the next time that this happens? So that eventually we're able to say, okay, I now have a well-formulated plan that I have gone through that can handle this situation. And I think that's really a big part of being a tennis player is understanding the challenges, the adversity that we're going to face, have plans, practice them, get feedback on it to see how we do it, make adjustments, have a no, new plan, maybe a better plan, hopefully, and then and then keep going till we get to a place where, all right, now I feel comfortable, like I know how to handle that situation and that situation and that situation. I think that's such a big part of the development. And that way, we're not necessarily also looking at it as like, this match is the end all and be all, like I have to win this match, I have to do it in this match. It's, you know, competition as, as tennis players is a process, a lifelong process that, you know, our journey that we can continue to get better and better. Uh, and so even if we mess it up a little bit, that's fine. Let's just make sure we learn from it 
so that um, you know we continue to get better and, and have better plans for these situations. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's a great point. I think that um, th- that that sort of mentality of learning from these situations, regardless of whether we did hand whether we handled them well or not as well as we would have liked, um, but but always learning and always improving because we've learned from these situations. I think having that sort of mindset also takes some pressure off of us um, where we don't feel like, okay, we have to handle this perfectly where we say, okay, you know, it's a nice reminder that even if it doesn't all go according to plan, that this is still going to be an important, important learning experience. Um, So I, I I think that's, I think that's a a really important perspective there. Yeah. Yeah. So Anything else that we should say about this particular case, Josh? Um, no, I, 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 uh, I think this is, was a great case study. Um, I'd, I'd like to remind our listeners that if, you know, if any of you have any other case studies, any other situations that, that you've experienced on the tennis court as, as a player, as a coach, as a sports psychology professional, um, whoever, um, as, as a fan of the sport watching it on TV, um, and you have, you know, a question about a certain situation, reach out to us. We'd, um, you, you can always reach out at, at tennis IQ podcast at gmail.com and, uh, maybe we'll talk about it in one of our future episodes. Yeah, that'd be great. So, well, that's our show for today. Thank you for listening for more on today's episode. Please check out the show notes. Um, as Josh mentioned, if you have feedback or questions, please email us at tennis IQ podcast at gmail.com. You can also use the Twitter hashtag TennisIQ. Also, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube, so you can be notified of new episodes. We also are posting our new episodes to our Instagram account, TennisIQ Podcast. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.